Hello and welcome back to Cooking the Books with me, Jillie Smith, the podcast which takes us through four food moments from the books of our favourite food writers. It's about all of life through the prism of food. And this week I'm with an old friend of the podcast, the king of vegetables, Joe Woodhouse. You know, if you've made a big pot of lentils with sauce and you can add some different spices to it or top it with yoghurt or cheese or pickles and kind of take it in a different direction. But you've kind of got that base, nutritious development ready to go. A lot has happened since we first met on Zoom to talk about his first book, Your Daily Veg. The Ukraine war has rocked his family. His wife is the Ukrainian food writer and cook for Ukraine champion, Olya Hercules. Their three-year-old son was diagnosed with a mild form of autism. And vegetables have actually landed properly on the British plate. I met him just before an event he was doing at Hove's Cookbook Bake for his new book, More Daily Veg. And as we sat overlooking the sea, we pondered on the enormity of it all. I mean, this is probably the most luxurious place to have an interview. I think you kind of jumped straight out of the car and we're sitting now looking out at the uh, sea rolling in, the sun gently setting over the horizon. We're here to talk about your second book, Joe. Um, it's more of the same, it has to be said, and it actually says that on the tin, as it were. First of all, why did you feel you had so much more to say about vegetables? Someone described it recently as sort of very much the same, but with a kind of fresh, updated look. And it's kind of, it is that. It's, I mean, it's a progression. It's a, a couple of years later. It, it's responding to the way that I think a lot of people responded to the first one. So I kind of try to put a, a lot of people were batch cooking a lot of things and taking them in for lunches and, uh, you know, having meals ready for the week. So I kind of tried to make a lot more recipes that responded well to either being taken broken down and taken packed lunches or that you could kind of stop at certain points and then kind of just finish or use the base of it in multiple different ways and you know kind of just trying to take into account the way that people were cooking from the last one because there's so many it was amazing just seeing everyone cook and kind of make all the dishes um you know around the world and online yeah. um, i mean it is it's interesting isn't it because actually things have moved on an enormous amount since we first spoke um, in the world but also the way we eat um, I mean I remember we talked about how you turned vegetarian at 10 and, and you know it, it, we were talking about being a vegetarian I don't feel that this book is for vegetarians necessarily I was just having a chat with Tristan in, in Cookbook Bake who's getting ready for your um, event tonight and he said that he's not vegetarian but he absolutely would cook every recipe from it I think that's the big change now, isn't it? That we're all looking for really lots and lots of different ways to make our dinner really interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's it, it sort of... It, that is very much, a, I mean, a selling point, I guess, is you know how to do a cook a steak or a piece of fish or, you know, what you're, what you're doing with your chicken thighs. But it's just a bit of, um, or, you know, a lot of insp- inspiration for vegetables and what to put on the side and how to kind of maybe up that amount i think there's you know a lot of people are kind of dropping meat from days or certain meals just to kind of looking at the planet and what's going on but but also just then health wise but uh, it's just a way of trying to help people get a lot more veg kind of packed in and you know i think it is something and it, you know it's helped with kind of that but also you could you can it appeals to everyone is kind of the idea but it's a non kind of stress you can swap in what you like what you don't like 
if there's you know use the recipes as a template you know or add some meat in if you want you know that's what you yeah absolutely i mean you casually mention those massive issues the planet and health (laughs) i mean i think that people are and we've of course since we last spoke we've got a cost of living crisis um those three things are driving the most enormous changes i think that people once you realize and i remember the bosch boys telling me um ages ago i mean maybe about four years ago that actually they went vegan or vegetarian i think it was at that time overnight because they felt so much better they just thought, why on earth would we ever feel that heavy again? And I think that since you and I sp- first spoke, uh, so many more people realise that actually you just feel a lot better, a lot lighter, your body works better if you eat more vegetarian food. And that's not to say that you won't have a lovely Sunday roast or a, the occasional, you know, sort of slow-cooked belly pork or something like that. Gorgeous, absolutely gorgeous. Not for you, but for me. Um, but mainly vegetarian and that of course contributes massively to our health and to our planetary health and to our purse isn't that the biggest change yeah i mean and i think it does that thing where you really appreciate it as well if you i mean liken it to a glass of wine on a friday night if you've been abstaining for a few days and it just that kind of your taste buds kind of fire up and tingle and you kind of really appreciate it rather than you know if you had steak every night this kind of doesn't do quite the same thing but i think it's also thinking about and connecting with what you're eating and how you're eating and where where it's come from and you know if you have a roast chicken on the weekend make some stock out of the bones it's pretty you know and some of the trimmings from the roast veg and then you can kind of have a noodle soup but use the stock and then you're kind of getting a bit of that but you don't necessarily have to buy a load of fresh meat just to kind of say shit it's just kind of slightly clever ways that maybe just eking it out a bit it's just going back to traditional ways of cooking really yeah. and the way that people used to eat well, traditional ways of cooking around the world and, and that's very important we've talked before about your food photography taking you right around the world and you know we do go to tel aviv to we look at chinese warm potato salad never seen that one before with Sichuan pepper and we look at ukrainian food brazilian food i mean literally ideas from around the world is that still what really really excites you i I like a lot of the dishes that happen to be vegetarian rather than trying to turn things too much you know kind of trying to de-meat something it's sort of you get a bit into sticky water sometimes but the i mean and they're just and it is a bit of a trying to put a cherry pick a few ones that have really spoken to me and that have stood out just because i like these so if you like my cooking you should you know you might like these as well um and it just seemed it's kind of a fun way to dot around a little bit and you can kind of group some together or you know build then go the reverse and build a meal backwards from that inspiration it's just to kind of try and fire up some synapses and get people thinking you know in a in a different way than what maybe you know, your meat and two veg or yeah. your three veg, if you like. I mean, I love what you say. You say exploring and eating outside of what you know is a magical thing. And, and that's what food really should be, shouldn't it? Um, are we still still as picky as we once were about some vegetables? <laughs> yes, I think we are. I think um, it, it takes a long time to kind of rewrite that. I don't mean... Brussels sprouts is probably a good example. I'm, I'm cooking a dish for Brussels sprouts tonight at Cookbook Bake, but the that they seem to be a lot more accepted now. But I think that's taken quite a long time, and but that's because most of the time people were probably just cooking them to mush and they weren't really doing that much with them. 
and not using them as an ingredient or as a kind of a layer in I'm going to you know it's a dish from the book where it's uh, uh, tahini whipped tahini you make a kind of quick tomato chutney uh, have roast sprouts on top and then kind of crispy breadcrumbs with a bit of lemon lemon zest and it's sort of that way where you're you, it's kind of a warm salad that's kind of could be a side could be a starter you could add something else to it but it's just using it as an ingredient rather than boiling the death out of it kind of roasting is your friend i think a lot of the time with vegetables yeah. and things but yeah it's um I mean, and and you know in terms of saving energy as well you know bung a whole load of vegetables in in the oven roast them up and then produce some lovely sauce with it i mean i noticed you're doing something with tahini are you doing brussels sprouts with tahini what's which one is it yeah the tahini so tahini sauce is another one that's kind of dress that on anything and it'll make it taste you know a lot better yeah. um but the uh I uh, I just think that you why not try something a little bit different if you haven't had it. There's masses of information either you know in in my book or other people's books but online. Just uh, try a different veg and kind of. But if you take something that you like, like a tahini dressing, or you know just toss it with some grains and make a salad, it's quite a nice way to explore something new in a gentle way. Yeah, but, I, I noticed that you say things like um, stick the beans on overnight. Uh, to soak and then do a few bits and bobs and then get up in the morning and uh, you know that is a real sort of kachina povera kind of way to eat isn't it it's not really very traditional for our spirits are we learning now i mean you mentioned batch cooking before are we beginning to think ahead about how to get the best out of our food and the best flavors i i mean for me it's uh if you do the small little things you're you know time's your friend you know the longer you can get the slower you can do a lot of some of the cooking or let it sit once it's made and all the flavors marry um it, it, it improves with time and i think a lot of the time before going to bed i sort of think oh i could just mix up a dough or a starter for a dough or stick some beans on the soak and then you've kind of done you know a, the long part of the the work ahead and then you can kind of crack on you know the next day the next morning but and the same with beetroots or you know if you're boiling a bit of some veg or potatoes i kind of always do some extra ones if they're going to be boiling anyway it's not you're not using that much energy to kind of add a few more in and then you've got them boiled stick them on while you're doing something else and forget you know while you're pottering around and then they're done they can sit in the fridge you can make salads you can kind of dress them puree them crush them and roast them you know for some crispy potatoes or something later but it's just kind of I always do a bit extra so you've got kind of something on hand for a quick lunch or a, an easy dinner um and then you're you know you're not using that much you know if any more much more um energy as well which is a good thing it's interesting isn't it maybe that's what's changed alexina anatole talks about time being the best ingredient or one of the key ingredients you talk about it being your friend actually maybe finally um we've been sort of we've been exposed to such great food for the last 20 30 years finally maybe that time poor narrative is going to be chucked in the bin in the recycled bin maybe not um because finally the idea that actually you know beautiful vegetables like celeriac can be caramelized if you give them time in the oven maybe we're understanding a little bit more about technique that, and marinating and soaking beans overnight that actually we're giving food a chance finally what do you think yeah i think hopefully some of the the things stuck from covid and lockdown and having all of that time and being at home and you you know being able to cook and think and plan 
and obviously going back to work is kind of finding that balance and I think if some of the positives do stick then that's you know it is a very good thing um, I'm guilty of working late into the night I'll, I'll sort of stop working and do you know hang out with the kids and do bedtime and things and then go back to work which I'm trying to kind of get a bit better of but you know you've got to fit it in but then batch cooking is a way of counteracting some of that where you have this kind of you've made this amazing meal that then you can kind of take in different directions with you know if you've made a big pot of lentils and sauce and you can add some different spices to it or top it with yogurt or cheese or pickles and kind of take it in a different direction but you've kind of got that base nutritious sort of element ready to go and it's that that's the best kind of fast food is food that you kind of pre-made spend a lot of time you know in effort putting it you know on a sunday or whatever it may be and I, I froze quite a lot from cooking and testing and it's been so great actually using that side of things where you've got kind of something ready to go from the freezer which is really nice yeah. and been handy Your but own superstore i always yeah. say it has um which and you know working late at night and and and, and hanging out with the kids um, is a really great way, actually, isn't it, of spending time uh, with with the food. And your first food moment is making pizzas with the kids. My son doesn't... We don't really do any screens that much, but we we were looking at his music video to this song, that his favourite song, and then we got suggested this pizza video, and we um, cl- I, you know, I clicked on it because it was a food-based thing, and he, we, he just got massively into this... This is our three-year-old, into um, these really hardcore pizza dough videos and I sort of thought well actually I, I can make these for him and so we can kind of do it in real life and then we did we so it pretty much kind of most weekends and we sort of did these big pizza parties where we we're kind of just giving out pizzas to people in the um on the street or you know people coming over and kind of an excuse to make a load of pizzas but just t- trialing out different dough recipes different ways of cooking but yeah kind of deep diving into a kind of super nerdy pizza universe since we last talked, um, Wilf has been diagnosed with uh, a, a what? Ollie did tell me, but I can't even remember what it is. It's, it's basically he's a neurodivergent child, which must make you think about a, a whole load of things in a completely different way. How does it affect your daily life around food? Yeah, it's fragile X syndrome, so Ollie has it as well. Um, yeah, it does, but I kind of, I don't know, in a way, I kind of, it more solidifies what we were doing initially and just everything was so based around food and he loves food. And so kind of use that as excuses to kind of go out and about and kind of discovering things or get him, I mean, I brought him a knife for his first birthday. So, you know, he, uh, he just chops on the weekends and things, kind of get him chopping all the mushrooms and, you know, whatever it is, salads, cucumbers and things in the... Um, and then stuff like that but I kind of get him to make up a uh, salad dressing each night because he loves these really punchy salad dressings and because uh, he he loves the, the stimulus in the in his mouth kind of just really intense flavours so he kind of makes these really punchy salad dressings we kind of try and have a salad with each meal as well but it's uh, I mean I'm not I mean there's a lot that comes with it but I've not really changed my approach I don't think to how I would have been um, if anything, it kind of he it, it, he's really interested in food because he sees us doing it. Yeah, and he was strapped to your body while you were doing cookery demos, and his when he was a little boy, and when you were when you was a baby. Um, but tell tell us about fragile X syndrome. What what is it, and how does it manifest? 
the main issue that you see with uh, that Wilf has is it's a communica- communication. So he has all the words, he has everything in his head, but he can't. Uh, it is sort of, I guess, in a layman's way, his brain doesn't c- communicate to his mouth, so it's hard for him to develop speech. Um, although he's kind of suddenly, you kind of go through these, you have these bits, and just as you're kind of thinking, oh, there's nothing changing, then he'll suddenly leaps and bounds, kind of jump ahead, and at the moment he's kind of saying, <laughs> saying massive things, and you can, he's really enjoying the uh, songs of his new nursery because he just sings, you know, he kind of, I came home last night, he was sitting on the sofa drawing and singing to himself and it kind of that's quite a, you know sort of another another sort of milestone of things but it, it's sort of I guess if you were going to put it in a in a basic way it's quite a kind of mild autism um, but it's uh, it sort of manifests in different ways you, once you get past a certain level then they kind of stop counting and they're just sort of where you diagnose a bit and it's sort of but you can be on then quite a large spectrum but he so in that with going back to the previous question of using food and things is actually do I do take him out and get him to meet people and see things in new situations and try and make help make that the norm so he's not kind of worried about or gets um, stressed by kind of uh, new stimuli and things yeah, yeah it's not a question of, of overstimulation then I mean one of the things one, your next food moment is actually about um, your property in France near Van um, exposing any child, anybody at any age to something like this is is just incredible. I mean, how does he deal with the well, the new language, the, the French markets, all the wonderful things that you're doing there? Tell us about it. Well, yeah, weirdly, for someone who can't or has issues speaking, he picked up French in the kind of he loves shouting bonjour and au revoir and uh, merci to everyone as we're leaving shops or markets and different things. But the I mean, that was very much a large part of why we moved on doing that um, and having someone in the... Uh, so we, we've got a property that we're doing up in, in the Auvergne, just south of Vichy, that we're going to do a cookery school and uh, food tours to because the other, part, other main reason was we used to do this to Ukraine, which we obviously can't do at the moment and don't know if or when that would come back. So it was kind of trying to create a similar thing and keep that kind of alive albeit in a different country but with the same kind of ethos and uh, and so it's kind of it's been amazing discovering the area and different markets and meeting people and just produce I mean the French markets uh, we travel uh, yeah I mean we just we we travel there's one that we go to nearby town on Mondays that we always go to we know we know all the guys we go to the cheese ladies um, there's a refrigerator truck that we get uh cheese from they just love Wilfred and they kind of just give him massive samples where I try and kind of take it to give it to him and they're like no 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 that's for him and it's this kind of massive block of cheese that they just you know kind of lavish on him which he thinks is amazing because the kind of cheese truck is Toys R Us for him kind of thing <laughs> but the uh, yeah it's just uh, you know we it's just so much fun kind of tearing around and you're getting literally what people are growing so it's sort of hyper seasonal I deliberately got us a really small fridge or like a kind of a, a big enough fridge that you can keep a few things in but the idea is to kind of not um is to kind of have a lot of fresh kind of food and be making kind of different things but not kind of storing too much um and just kind of keeping kind of just cooking loads of different things and testing and developing recipes and um but 
we it's a lot of fun kind of deep diving into that and kind of having a lot of the local uh local dishes and local i mean just the local cheeses alone are just kind of absolutely fascinating and yeah. delicious why yeah. then any particular uh i suppose it, i mean it's it's the it's like kent to england it's that the market of um you know the garden of france and just loads of produce loads of history with food uh I I know a few people kind of you know that do different food things a bit further south from us, but I just it's up in a forest, um, up a mountain, and it's just kind of nice and tranquil and quiet. And in the evenings, when the 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 uh, the breeze goes through the trees, it sounds like you're at the sea. Actually, sounds very similar to this. Um, It's just quite a magical place. And this is you and Ollie are cooking together, are doing. cookery lessons and cookery tours yeah so uh, Oli is going to uh, carry on doing the ones that she does with Natalia um, Experience Ukraine and Beyond on Instagram and so they do they just did one to Georgia um, but they're going to do similar tours when we get it set up where it's just uh, going around markets and produce walking through the forest and foraging for mushrooms uh, cooking classes doing dumplings and borscht and uh, bograts where you cook the um, this uh, soup on open fire and kind of all of that kind of things we'll do some then together but maybe we do some kind of guest chef things where we do a small course and a you know a big meal or a couple with a local restaurant and do a kind of uh, sort of a couple of nights kind of cooking up with us I'm also going to set up a brewery there because um, I don't know if last time we spoke I'd said I, I the, at home I've, in London I've got a I'm a licensed brewer, and uh, it's a I'd seller is a bonded warehouse, <laughs> so it's uh, all spontaneous uh, ferment beer that I'm going to pretty much move to there. I think so. We might do kind of big fermentation classes, or you could kind of do a week of fermentation and uh, make a beer in that time and things like that, and you know, kind of, um, but just and see what people want as well. I mean, it's kind of we're there in the space there. The idea is that maybe we end up moving there full time, see how it goes, you know, kind of, but. Uh, very, you know, stay in London for now, but just see see how it goes. Exciting. Let's move on to your next food moment. And what I love about British food culture is that you can go from the food of the Auvergne straight to Dalmakani without batting an eyelid. <laughs> yeah, well, that's. I mean, that variety is the spice of life, isn't it? Um, I mean, we do, we we bring quite a lot of cheese back with us to keep the dream alive. Um, but yeah, the, this uh, the Dalmakani was. I'm actually talking with uh, those guys at the moment to uh, uh, doing a pop-up out that way, but it's um, it was just such a you know that thing where you eat a dish and it's just a bolt of kind of a shock of lightning of like wow this is incredible and it just kind of wakes you up and it's sort of so everything was in such a kind of perfect balance um, and the uh, it is sort of that kind of creamy spicy you know rich buttery. Uh, lentils and a kind of cut with a crispy punchy uh, salad of you know kind of uh, tough leaves and but with fennel and onion spring onion and things and herbs and it's just such a kind of lovely lovely way to eat I made it last night it is absolutely fantastic this Dharmakani actually isn't yours this is uh, your friend Lakshmi Tell, tell us about this 
Yeah, well, it's, it, we were visiting our friend Henrietta Inman, who runs Wakeland's Bakery out in Suffolk, and it was actually her friend Lakshmi that made the this Dal Makani that she asked her to make it, and it was so I kind of got uh, fairly quickly got in contact and was just like, "This is incredible! Can I, you know, have the details of how to make this? If I could possibly put it in the book and." you know fully crediting because I, I i want to put a recipe like this in the book but i can't to my mind beat this so um you know said, yeah, it absolutely. seems yeah i mean it seems sensible to do they, i mean it's sort of if it, if it isn't broke you know well exactly I, while we're talking about bakeries can i just mention the focaccia with potato and rosemary um i've never had potato in my focaccia before does that make me a very bad person um, I mean, it's. I grew up on the Scarborough coast, so, it, and I used to eat a lot of chip butties because I used to go rowing on the sea, and it, I think it's kind of mashing of those two worlds where it's a nice, you know, everyone loves a focaccia, but then it makes it into slightly a bit more of a meal, but also or a, you know, a bit more of a substantial side, but you, it's kind of channeling chip butty vibes in that, uh, you know, sprinkle a bit of vinegar on top and you're you're pretty much there but you know double carb is what's not to like thanks for listening do rate and review the podcast if you like it over on apple podcasts and then head to my Substack to see what joe has cooked up for us over on extra bites 